and brothers and sisters and friends all around the world. Welcome to another episode of the Sharing Time Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Rapier, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ken Mr. Ken Craig. Craig. Brother Ken Craig. How are you doing there, Ken? Oh, man. So good. Well, you look good. You look happy. <laughs> and I know why you're happy, because this week we have one of the most talented friends of ours, an icon, a legend in the filmmaking world. I mean, seriously, and I'm not even being sarcastic, one of the most talented men that Ken and I are blessed to be friends with, Mr. Garrett Batty. Welcome to the show. Garrett Batty, Academy Award snubbed Garrett Batty. <laughs> Garrett, how you doing? There are not many people that can say that. Uh, actually, actually, a lot can. A lot can. Ken's been snubbed. I, I think, I, I think we're I, all in that category. I'm not because I don't think I've ever been in any movie that qualifies for it. So you guys might be actually snubbed. Garrett, thanks so much Mike. for joining us. We appreciate it. It's good to have you here. Thank you. It's so fun to see both of you, and uh, it's fun to be back. Yeah, good, good time. So before we jump into all this, uh, we want to talk about uh, all of your directing work and all your work in film and uh, the upcoming The Carpenter. We've got a lot to talk about, but tell us how we all know each other, how we all ended up connecting. Well, it's uh, if you ask Ken, uh, it might he might answer differently. Uh, but <clears throat> I have been a fan of you and Ken uh, <laughs> for a while. Back when uh, when I started BYU, you all were part of the Garens comedy troupe, and I had only heard of the Garens from my sister, who was a student there at BYU. And then uh, I think I auditioned. I don't know if you were. If I had just come in a year behind you, or if we were ever if we ever crossed paths, but you left a legacy that was so big that when I did audition and and uh, was able to let my sister know, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm going to be in the Garens. That she she was like, nah, I don't know, like the Garens Garens or what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so so I had to fill your uh, both of your shoes, uh, which I still trying to do. <laughs> I don't know that I left uh, a large legacy. I know I left some large costume pieces, but uh, <laughs> don't know about a large legacy. But uh, I, none of us Still were. Well, it. we weren't. I wasn't in the same. And Ken, you left before I did. Yes, I was in. So I was in the original cast. We started in '93. It was 30 years ago last month that wow. we uh, that we started it. And then Sean, you came in in '95, and Garrett, I think you were. Shortly after, after that, that like 97, 90, yeah. 97, okay. 97. Yeah, yeah Garrett, yeah. you were just after, so. And I was we, I was long gone. I'm a little bit older than Garrett, and, uh, um, but I well, did. Your, it, your memory was still there, still hovering was over it? us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take, so yeah, there's this, fat, there's this, right, this connection uh, for all three of us and, and many others through the Garrens. And so by the time Garrett and I actually met and became friends, it was like all this goodwill was already built in. Like we have this similar background, similar friends. In my mind, we were already best friends, like into our second conversation ever. It was, it was like, yes, my best friend, Garrett. 
Well, I'd leave you yeah, at my wedding, right, one. Garrett? No, we didn't know each other. <laughs> Seems like we should. <laughs> Garrett, remember that time on our missions? When, uh, <laughs> it does, minute, we it does feel like that. <laughs> yeah, it feels like there was no beginning and no end, Garrett. <laughs> well, there there is a brotherhood sisterhood in the Garens for sure. Whenever I see other Garens, um, and in fact, I host separately, uh, Garrett, which you probably don't know, I actually host a Disneyland podcast as well with uh, Joel Wallen. So, uh, former oh, wow. another former Garen that uh, I'm on with uh, with Joel quite a bit. So, yeah, we all we all keep in touch, but. Uh, then we all, uh, Ken and I and a lot of others, we looked at each other and said, you know, this whole going after entertainment as a career is just, we're not talented enough. <laughs> Let's leave it to, as we say, the Garrett baddies of the world. <laughs> Garrett, tell us how you got started in uh, in filmmaking. What was what was your beginning? Uh, well, that was it. I mean, I... Did, I uh... I had always wanted to do it. I went to BYU to study film, and then uh, after graduation, went out to Los Angeles and uh, didn't really give myself any other options. Um, it's, you know, people will say I'm not smart enough to do anything else. It's uh, this is what I do and I love, and um, I think if I wanted to get out of it, I don't think I could. I, I, this is my only option, and, and uh, I'm glad it is. I feel like I've won the lottery as far as career goes. We're we're yeah. all glad that it's your only option. Um, and if I'll just throw out there that if uh, if people want to hear Garrett's full story, you can go to the Latter Day Lives podcast. I had uh, Garrett on as a guest, episode one hundred and five. Uh, and Garrett, you came over to the house and we recorded. That was a lot of fun. You can hear Garrett's full life story. But uh, how we're coming up on the tenth anniversary of a very special film. Uh, what film is that? And I can't believe it's ten years. I know, right? It was uh, the, the movie is a Saratov approach, and uh, we filmed and released that movie in 2013. And so, uh, a little bit ago, somebody reached out and said, "Hey, it's 10 years uh, since that movie. We should, you know, recognize it and do some screenings." And um, I was grateful for that. And uh, yeah, 10, 10 years. In fact, we started filming in February. Uh, is that right? In February, I think we started pre-production and then uh, filmed all of March. So it was 10 years to this month um, that we were filming and then we released it six months later. Did you know when you were making it, Garrett, that it was something special? Like this has got some real legs to it. And I know I remember you saying you were really fascinated by the story early on, even before you thought about personally making it a movie. But did you feel like this is a this is an exceptional story, or this is a great. We have something really great here. No, no. I mean, there were. There's always hope. I think anybody who makes a film has to kind of have that um, hope that people are going to want to see it um, because it's a lot of work to make a film, and it's just you're kind of crazy to want to do that. Um, so you're definitely hoping, um, but at the same time, you're having a very uh, realistic, you know. A, pro, a realistic look on things and say, "Hey, this is a very, very low budget movie. We're not it's using independent. Yeah, uh, it's independent. Um, you know, we're not using any big stars or famous people. Um, so it's an uphill battle to get people to see this. Plus, it's about you know a topic that might be uh, scary to some, 
what you know certainly it took years and years to raise money for it because of that reason you know, people were like do you want to want to make a movie about missionaries that are kidnapped that's not a there's no audience for that. Um, <laughs> Every missionary you know, mom I, wants to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Put your kid in the MTC and then go see the Saratov approach. <laughs> so I think that the moment that uh, there were, there, I guess there were little glimpses, I think, that gave us, that, that reinforced or renewed or reinvigorated my hope that people would see it. And, you know, there was a day or two filming where you go, wow, that's, you know, that's a powerful scene. Here's a scene where Corbin is sitting on a bed and sharing why he served a mission. And you look around and everybody on set is really kind of captivated by his performance. And you go, okay, boy, if we could capture that the right way, then maybe people will see this. And then, uh, you know, in editing, I would edit, you know, we filmed the movie in 14 days. And then I had to go back to my full-time job at the church and so I would edit on the uh, train when I was commuting. And as I'm editing, you know, I get, you, you can kind of sense when people are looking over your shoulder, you know. So I'm on, on looking at my laptop and look around and there's two or three people gathered around trying to just watch out of the corner of their eye what was being edited. And I thought, OK, well, that's, you know, I've edited lots of stuff on the train, but nobody's really been drawn to that type of content. Um so that was encouraging and mm-hmm. exciting. But for every one of those moments, you have the moments where, you know, you screen it for a distributor and they say, yeah, it's not our thing. Or you screen it for a a, a friend and they're like, oh, what, what, what do you want to, maybe you shouldn't release this, you know? So um, <laughs> those are good never friends. Know. Never, you never know what's going <laughs> like, Great. You appreciate friends. that. You're like, hey. Hey, let me tell you how to fix it. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> you got to have you, some thick skin. Hey, you you brought up Corbin. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Corbin's been in a few of your films. Uh, you know, there are certain uh, certain genres, certain directors who love working with the same people quite a bit. Uh, is Corbin one of those for you? Is there just a sense of trust? You guys know how to work together. I think there is. I, I would say that, and I'm always grateful when he agrees to uh, to a project. Corbin is, you know, he comes to. I didn't know him prior to Saratov, uh, and but but he he came to that film with a wealth of experience. You know, as a yeah. former child star, and uh, had had done movies and done independent and done the Hollywood thing, and was very very gracious to come and hang out for for two weeks to film that movie. And uh, we did. We became fast friends and supported each other's career. I was heartbroken when he said, okay, this is my last movie. Now I'm going to go be a doctor. And I thought, oh, wow. He went to medical school and, and uh, left acting for several years. And I think about five years later, I was making Out of Liberty and reached out to him and said, hey, let's get you back. Let's get you back. Can you come uh, come play again? And, yeah. and so, yeah, anytime we can work together, I enjoy it. You should you should make a movie about the difficult uh, life story of I think I'm done being a successful uh, acting star. I'm going to become a doctor. I think that's a you know that's a real pull at your heartstrings thing. Oh no, this poor guy has to choose between being a star and being a doctor. That's uh, it's just those people that are just good at everything they do. He just go. He's 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 one of those guys. He's one of those guys. When when did you know that Saratov was a like a hit? When when did you know and and how? What happened that you knew? Okay, this film really is something. Like it ended up, it ended up playing for like six months, right? 
Like it, just, it played six months. Yeah, I just kept going. It's kind of a tricky question, Sean. And I'll tell you when I knew it was a when I really knew without a doubt that it was a hit was when I released my next film. And it and it didn't do well. And I'm like, oh, oh, so Saratop was like a, a rare thing. Was um, that Freetown? That was Freetown. Yeah, which 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 was well received and did very well critically. Um, but yeah, it, Freetown it certainly was wasn't an amazing in, film. All right, I, I hate to. Yeah. Tell, uh, this is going to be controversial. For me, Freetown's a better film than Saratov, and I love Saratov, but Freetown. Yeah made me cry freetown is a beautiful and the whole just the whole scenery of it everything about freetown is a beautiful film yeah thank you for that and uh there are there's those that would not argue with you that, that would agree with you uh those that saw it it just wasn't very, it wasn't as broadly seen um but but yeah i mean i think each one of the films uh, uh, i'm has their has their strengths and uh i stand behind them all uh but as far as being a hit it's hard i think saratov um it what it, you know it's no no obviously lots of people are involved in and uh hard work and talent and everything kind of came together but i think that there were elements that were completely out of our control mm. that helped that help propel that movie to be well received you know and it was you know at the same time the the Book of Mormon was just going crazy on Broadway. Mm. Um, Mitt Romney was running around campaigning for president. And there was a general interest in, you know, in our faith. Mormon missionaries, yeah. in yeah. our faith. Yeah. And so I think that, I mean, the, the realization of like, oh, as hard as we worked and as great as we made that movie, to think uh, that didn't have anything to do with it. It was, you know, right time, right place. Um I think if the, the the sooner I accept that, the the uh, it, I don't know, it just makes me. Uh, <laughs> is it, it? It makes me uh, more humble. I think it was like okay, we were in the right time, right place. We'll keep working as hard as we can to make these stories, but who knows what's going to happen to make them take off or not? Yeah, it, it's a great film, though. I mean, no matter how much the moment is. Um, and we'll be kind because we are all very, very good friends with a lot of Latter-day Saint filmmakers. They're not all good films, you know, and some of them have, you know, I think we look back. I mean, to me, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, the big kickoff to me was, uh, gosh, what was the name of that first movie? The um, uh, God's Army. God's, yeah, God's Army. Army. Yeah. So to me, God's Army was like, wow, they made a movie about missionaries that's going to be in a movie theater. You know, yeah. I like I can't I can't believe there's a movie about missionaries. I, I I haven't seen God's Army in so long. I don't know if it's a good film or not. But when I saw it, it was the greatest film ever because <laughs> it was a movie about a lived yeah. experience I had. Then, you know, there were comedies that came out, you know, with uh, like like uh, with the singles ward and the RM and stuff. And wow, it's a funny look at us after those boxes had been ticked. Suddenly it was like, it wasn't enough for it to be a reflection on Latter-day Saint life. It had to actually be a good film. And so you put your novelty had worn off, right? Like it had to. Yeah. 
I had to be was so different and Freetown to me so different and so beautifully shot. So yeah. I, I want to ask yeah. about Out of Liberty because Out of Liberty, now you're taking something very like there's a big responsibility of telling that story. Tell us first off what for our listeners who haven't seen Out of Liberty, tell us the story of what Out of Liberty is, and then I've got a couple questions. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially Out of Liberty is a story of Liberty Jail. And uh, just from the point of view of the jailer and what took place in that six-month period where Joseph and five other church leaders were imprisoned in Liberty Jail, we kept it very contained um, and wanted to tell it to uh, really kind of show this human side of of Joseph Smith and and. Uh, and stage it in sort of keep it within this western genre yeah that was our, that was our goal with that one it, it's awesome it's a great film and it's such a it's such a unique view was it easier having the convention of the jailer rather than just head on telling the story did it give you a little more license yeah uh, yeah, I mean, yes, we wanted to be accurate. You know, anything in the in the jail in the basement there is is accurate. Um, you know, and, and we, I needed a way to string these events together. And wh- what happened was uh, this uh, just an amazing screenwriter, Stephen Dethoff, came up. I, I met with him, and he said, "I've got this Joseph Smith's story," and it was a you know a multi multi million dollar movie. And I thought this is a great movie, but I. I I don't have the resources um, to to tell this at this time. I said, but I think there's a story in Liberty Jail. Um, And he said, no, 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 I don't think there's a story in Liberty Jail. And I said, okay, well, check it out and come back. And he came back about a year later with a script. And um, it was still kind of through that point of view of Joseph. And um, so we really talked about, hey, who, who is the protagonist here? And how do we stage this perhaps? So, we might reach a broader audience to rather than just telling another Joseph Smith story. And so we pivoted the story to say, let's tell this through the eyes of the jailer. Um, you know, and what is it from, uh, you know, very similar an interesting character arc to say, what is it from the first day when these guys enter this Liberty jail and he is, you know, threatening to, 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 to make their lives miserable to five and a half months later when he is secretly helping them, you know, escape at the risk of losing his own job. What took place in that guy's head that makes that change? And that's what I wanted to explore because that's a cool, I mean, isn't that what we're all trying to do is like, how do we change perception of whatever? How do we change ourselves? How do we change whatever it is? The idea that, uh, that maybe somebody isn't who, we, you know, who we initially took them for. Last I mean, that was a quite thing on Out of Liberty that I have, it's it's such a cool movie and it's so unique. It was not what I expected. When I watched it, it was not at all what I expected. And I mean that in like a great way. It's a great film. Really, really good film. You have a lot of our, our friends in that movie, which is cool. You have a lot of really, really cool people in there. One person I have to ask about working with, because it's a little bit of a fanboy question, because he's one of not only my favorite people, 
but his story is so fascinating. Tell us about working and how you ended up working with Sean Stevens. Oh, I'll tell you, Sean Stevens, um, is, I mean, not only is he an incredibly talented actor with more experience than than anybody on that set had. Yeah. Um, but when I when I moved out to Burbank, Sean was our first counselor in the bishopric. <laughs> no and way. So, and he has this incredible singing voice. And this yeah. whole Burbank, we were in the Burbank Third Ward, and there's uh, uh, some some of our friends that, that were in the, were in that ward. Um, but you know, we're there each Sunday and just hearing this incredible singing coming from the bishopric, um, which you both know is kind of rare sometimes. But yeah, uh, it's totally rare. The bishoprics have <laughs> <I've> been in. And <laughs> uh, anyway, Sean and I became friends, and um, we've stayed in contact. And he relocated a couple years ago to. Uh, he lives in American Fork now, and I was just thrilled to be able to have him come on set and agree to agree to do this film. And for our listeners Sean who don't great. know Sean, he he was literally, and I mean this literally, on the cover of Tiger Beat magazine as a kid. He was a kid actor, but I mean, it, it's funny because it was like, you'd see the, the magazine covers he's on, there's Leaf Garrett, and there's, you know, the kids from Eight is Enough, and, you know, all these 70s icons and there he was and it was stuff like you know girls imagine a date with sean stevens like he was the <laughs> heartthrob and actually he was a guest on latter-day lives one of my favorites and he went through such a humbling to become a member of the church he went through some things and he was in i always i always forget which one i think it's man's search for happiness that he's no. the main guy in and that changed his life. And not all of it was for the better, but he's never been bitter. Uh, I shouldn't say it. it's all been for the better, but at the time it took, it changed some of the, the paths he was going down as an actor, but then he's just an incredible actor. Now everything I see him in, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I need to start a fan club, but all the actors that you worked with on, on this, and I'm a little jealous. we talked about Corbin earlier to play Porter Rockwell. Come on. <laughs> Is there Corbin. is there is there a cooler character in the history of the church than Corbin Rockwell or than uh, Corbin Rockwell? Corbin Corbin Rockwell, right? <laughs> Corbin I mean, showed up on set. Yes, we were glad that that's what brought him out of uh, retirement from acting. Is you know, Corbin, you want to do another movie? Nah, I'm okay. Corbin, you want to play Porter Rockwell? He says, Yeah, I'm in. Tell me where and when. <laughs> and so. Uh, uh, we had him on set for three days. He shows up halfway through the shoot and says, looks around and says, well, let's see if we can't save this thing. <laughs> and he just comes in with this just bigger than life attitude. And we say, okay, Corbin, you know who Porter is. And he says, yeah, I know I've been doing some research. And Porter has this kind of, people talk about his his high-pitched voice or his, you know, a little unique voice. And and we said, and this is, a, this is before, this is, this is like the, uh, origin story of Porter Rockwell because before his beard is before he was Porter Rockwell, you know, he was just a buddy of, of Joseph and maybe a little bit, uh, you know, a little, little rebellious or, you know, had elements of Porter in him, but it wasn't, it certainly wasn't the, uh, full bearded, you know, Samson esque Porter that we all know. The and I love that Corbin, the avenging angel, 
Uh, this is just the angel right now. And Corbin came in just confidently and just said, this is how we're going to do that. And I love that. Um, I love the way he he took that role. Now that would be a dream Larry, character. You had Larry Bagby in that too. Wait, Larry Bagby. I mean, I Corbin up, and Larry, they were. I grew up with Larry. Uh, oh, did you really? In Westlake, California. Yeah. In fact, I was. I didn't know that. I was a Weeblow assistant leader when he was a Weeblow. This is my memory of of Larry Bagby at age 10. We took the Weeblos to a Dodger game. We had this giant sack of candy that was coming down the aisle. It didn't make it past Larry. He ate that entire <laughs> sucker. And, I'm, and to this day, I feel like Larry owes me candy. <laughs> Larry came on and we had Adam Johnson, another, oh, uh, yeah. you know, just absolutely. Uh, we, it was so fun because yeah, your cast six, is unbelievable. Yeah. Six six guys in this dungeon for for you know we're filming for eleven days, and it was like guys, this is a western, this is a serious movie. Even we cut, and it was just story time and joke time and uh, such a fun atmosphere on set. And then we had Jason Wade, with whom you know who's been in a number of um, these you know independent yeah, seventeen miracles right? films. Ephraim's Ephraim, rescue. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see, not Ephraim's, but seventeen miracles, Cokeville miracle. Um, Kennedy, Kennedy, love Kennedy. Uh, just all, you know, all the miracles. After he's in all the miracles. All the miracle, miracle maker. Yeah, yeah. We, the, if the there's a miracle, miracle, he's in it. <laughs> I, I have to tell you a quick story about Adam Johnson. That's kind of a funny one. We did, uh, you know, I was doing stand up, and we did uh, Latter Day Night Live with uh, Dave Hunter and those guys. You know, Dave calls me up and pitches it. Hey, man, we're doing a, a an all Latter-day Saint stand-up thing, you know, and it's okay, who's in it? Uh, and, you know, he says, we want you to be in it. Michael B. is going to be in it, you know, and of course, Michael B. is the funniest human being I've ever met. He says, Jeff Burke, yeah, I came up doing stand-up with him. Dave Nibley, of course, you know, Nibley's <laughs> just so funny. And we all, the the four of us came up through Johnny B's comedy club. And we, you know, we all know each other from we've shared stage and he says, and then yeah. this guy, Adam Johnson. And I'm, I didn't know Adam at the time. I'm like, he must be like from out of state. I know all the local comics and they, well, Adam's just really funny, but he's not really a stand up. And I went, ah, oh, Dave, don't do so that. So if you could write some stuff for him, Sean, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, this is a bad idea. So we get to the theater and Adam is so stressed. He's like, I've written a few things. And I'm like, this is going to end badly. Like, you know, here I am. The elder statesman comedy takes years <laughs> of refining and perfecting. And uh, the way an audience reacts, you know, I was so, you know, good luck to you, Adam. You'll be fine. I'm sure. And I'm in my head. I'm going, no, he got up there. 10x funnier than me and almost anyone I've ever seen. He murdered that night. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, you jerk. It took me years. <laughs> and he's Adam such was... a nice guy, too. He's like the nicest guy on earth. But I was like, this guy might be the most talented all-around guy I know. To be able to just walk on stage and kill in front of an audience like that. And then he does serious acting. He's hilarious. And he's pretty fantastic. He, Yeah, I, I echo that. And uh, my wife makes fun of me because he's 
she said she says that he's my man crush because <laughs> I, <laughs> for some reason Adam is my kryptonite. He makes me laugh. There's nothing he there's nothing I won't laugh at when Adam's around. He's just so great. And so I invited him to be in this movie. And, and uh, you know, we've done comedy together. And, and he grew up in Hebrew and I grew up in Park City. And so we were rivals there and kind of crossed paths every once in a while. And uh, anyway, I invited him to be in this movie and said, hey, come in. This is part. And it's 10 days or 11 days. And he came on set. And obviously, you know what you get with, when Adam shows up. You know, it's gonna be fun and you make the make the make the crew and everybody laugh and so like that. When we when he got on camera, he he was so prepared and mm. like shockingly deep mm. um that he brought he brought this humanity to this character. And I thought, no wonder why he has had such a long, varied, successful career as an actor. He's not just a goofball and uh I immediately, I mean, I just have so much more respect. Like, wow, Adam, you do this. You make it look so easy and you're just so relaxed. But anyway, Adam's performance in that just, again, in- increased my man crush on him. He's a good guy. I think we all do. Plus, he's remarkably attractive. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> it's the he's beard, right? It's man. the beard. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he is awesome. Well, and he's a great improv actor, too. Uh, what What was it like directing a Book of Mormon video? Like that's got to be so much on your shoulder, Garrett. Yeah, that was a, a dream. I was thrilled to get that call, and they, uh, um, Aaron Merrill and Jalen Petrie were the producers on that, and they reached out and said, "Would you consider?" Uh, and I said, "Yes," uh, <laughs> and before I knew what it was, but uh, I was able to direct uh, Heal in Chapter Five, mm. and it'll be coming out next year. Wow, and um, yeah, it was, you know, obviously such an amazing experience. Those those guys have been doing this this Book of Mormon series for years, and then to bring me on as kind of a day player or you know an episodic director, um, it was so neat. It was like driving, you know, it's like being invited to drive the Ferrari for a week, and you go, here's this crew and cast that's already functioning and really fine tuned and very very maneuverable and directable and i just hope i don't crash it like this like let's just you know get in and drive it the distance i need to go and then get out um yeah but it was it was a joy it was very inspiring take months to research you know a chapter in the book of mormon and really kind of look at it from a narrative perspective and say what yes yes there's doctrine here and incredible teachings but what are these people like? What, what is their life? What are they feeling? And what do they look like? And, um, you know, why are they writing what they're writing at this time? Uh, it was really um, a neat experience. Where did you guys shoot? My episode was shot. So uh, there's the set in Goshen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my episode is uh, Nephi and Lehi are cast into this prison. And in fact, I mean, this is just kind of one of the moments of uh, where you start to realize Oh, you know, there's, there's like just, there, there are, there's meaning behind these words, not just spiritual meaning, but actual like people's lives, you know, say, so say Nephi and Lehi are cast in the prison and uh, they're experiencing all of these, you know, being persecuted. And after a while, um, 
you know, by the end of the chapter, angels descend and appear into this prison. We have to think, well, if they're in prison, how's that working? How do angels like, do they float through the roof or what, what? I mean, it says it right there. They appeared. So how do we do that? And so, you know, Key Miller's production designer on this and he says, and, and, and Phil Manoa, uh, excuse me, not Phil, um, Phil's his brother. Well, I'm not sure who it is. We don't know who it is. Oh, this happens on podcasts. Edit around this. This happens to me and Ken all the time where we go. <laughs> John. Uh, yeah. We, anyway, we forget. Key, yeah. Sorry about that, John. He and John uh, said, look, we're going to dig a prison. It's a 12 foot deep pit. It's an open air prison and angels appear at night. There's not a roof that they need to go through. And you go, oh, okay, of course. And then you say, oh, well, we researched this, you know, in these time periods that was common. And, and you go, okay. And so you start to really look at these things and saying, not only is this book true, but that means that these things happened. And if they happen, they, they ha- like they have to happen within circumstances that we understand. And uh, it was very, very insightful and fun moments too. I mean, we're shooting in the middle of uh, May. It was a little bit chilly uh, in the evening. And we've got, <laughs> we have, you know, people dressed up as Lamanites, you know, a hundred Lamanite extras standing around this perimeter of uh, the prison. And um, the, we know that the walls shake and it was easy to get the, uh, the prisoners to shake because they were already shivering. It was kind of chilly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and we're, Panning around and asking people to say lines, and um, you know, just trying to make sure that everybody sounds authentic. And you know, uh, there's a moment where we're we're in the we're in the moment. We're trying. You're always against the clock during production, and um, the script calls for a few people to shout out lines. You know, forgive us or save us or whatever is at this moment, this very climactic moment of of repentance. These angels are uh, coming out of the, uh, out of the heavens and. Or just picking off shots. Um, so I'm telling my camera operator, I'm saying, okay, okay, grab that, grab that guy right there, and uh, he'd zero in on an extra. We'd say, say, you know, shout out this line, say, uh, forgive us of our sins. And he'd say, forgive us of our sins. Great. Okay, moving on. We're still rolling. Go over to another extra. Say, uh, you know, we believe uh, in in the whatever the line is. We believe in the and say, great. And everybody's kind of paying attention. We're all in sync. And we cut over to the third one. And uh, we say, okay, we zero in on this guy. He's got this perfect look. We say, say such and such line and whatever it was. And the voice that came out of this individual did, <laughs> did not match the voice <laughs> that we were anticipating. <laughs> and, and, and he can't just, <laughs> it, was, it was very, like, we shockingly. Believe. Didn't match. We, yeah, forgive me. And, and you just hear like the whole crew kind of just stop for a second, and nobody can say anything or break or anything. We say okay, and I wasn't sure if I heard it correctly. I said, "Can you say it again, please? Just maybe say it again one more time, a little bit slower." And same thing. It was like kind of a Mickey Mouse. Thing. Oh my god! Oh, we believe. And I'm like, Okay, okay, cut. And we all kind of go over and huddle. <laughs> like, so there were moments 
there were moments that you just go, okay, we're all having fun, having make, making a show and, and great, great memories. I, I just hope that, you know, in gospel doctrine, when we're doing a book of Mormon, that you get to those chapters and it, you know, that the, the teacher in your ward starts teaching and you just go, excuse me, if you don't mind, uh, a little background on these chapters. I happen to have directed <laughs> them. <laughs> I hope I you put not, yourself forward like that. I am no expert. In fact, I was Sunday school teacher during uh, Doctrine and Covenants year, and I was released about two weeks before uh, sections 121, 122, and 123. No, oh, for that reason, it's right. like, hey, we don't want you to promote any movies around here. <laughs> Just show the movie every week. <laughs> yeah, that was actually side note. My favorite calling ever was uh, our, we had four rotating gospel doctrine teachers, and the bishop calls me in and newer bishop, and he said, uh, "I'd like to call you to be a, a gospel doctrine teacher," and I thought. This is like a dream, man. Every four weeks I'm teaching. That's it. That's my entire cause. It's fantastic. <laughs> and he says, we're releasing everybody else. We'd like you to be our ward's only gospel doctrine teacher. And it's my intention to leave you there for four years. So oh, I actually geez. was our ward's only gospel doctrine teacher for four years. I taught the entire rotation. It's the cycle. You it ended that. up being the biggest blessing. I literally cried my eyes out the day I was released. It's being able to tell the stories of the scriptures, whether it's, a, I mean, look, you're doing it on this massive scale on film and dramatically, but, you know, just even telling stories to our children and these things matter. There's a reason we have scripture and there's a reason the stories of these people are told. And the more we study them, man, the more we just grow to love them. It's just awesome. On a, on a less on a less spiritual tone, Sean, I'm remembering speaking of things going wrong on set, Garrett, <laughs> I remember the summer of 95, there was a bunch of us, uh, a bunch of people that were in the theater department at BYU and a bunch of us that were in the Garens got recruited. And we did this outdoor play called life of Nephi. The third, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but we put it on live at this amphitheater in American fork. And I was Samuel, the Lamanite. And so each night I would get roughed up on stage and some, some people that we know together are, are they're like method actors. I get a little carried away. And I'm talking about Dowan. Yes, Dowan Gatling. We won't use his full yeah. name. Let's not use yeah. his name. It was just D. Gatling. <laughs> That's right. yeah. Yeah. So I so I get roughed up and then I would run behind, I'd run up this back hill and I'm up on a turret above above the amphitheater and i'm yelling and i've got my arms out and this is when they are they start shooting arrows and throwing spears and um so i'm up there and i go behold that your arrows and your spears do not hit me and out of the darkness comes this spear right into my chest not the point but the whole stick just boom off my chest and you hear the whole audience you know like and everybody on <laughs> and I go, and if they do, they do not hurt me. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then afterwards, the the director was like, "Who's throwing? Who's throwing the spear at Ken?" And Dallin's Stop like, "It's me. I'm I'm throwing it at." And they're like, "Throw! Don't throw it at him." And he's like, "I throw it at him every night. That's what my character would do." <laughs> 
What's a good like, don't, don't throw it anymore. Don't commit it. I, I yeah, just have to right. say, it's a, it's a good thing he wasn't playing Nephi and you were playing Laban because... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't be have lost our head. Yeah. It would have only been one performance. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think, were there kids in the audience going like, Mom, oh, yeah. The spears aren't going through him. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's that's I, live I, theater. <laughs> and on that note, we should talk about your upcoming film. Tell us all about The Carpenter. The Carpenter, yes. Uh, this I'm excited about this one. This is a fun project that we've been working on for years. Um, and uh, filmed it last summer. Let's see, summer of 2023, 22 in south africa and uh this is a story this is kind of I, the very short story is think of like rocky meets nazareth right so it's a story of a essentially a a young fighter it's set in pre-ministry of christ and uh this young fighter becomes an apprentice to a mysterious carpenter in nazareth and uh, his life kind of changes so it's uh it's a little bit different because it's not you know it's not the missionaries kidnapped or anything like a true you know based on a true story um it's, it's historical uh, fiction is that historical genre? fiction yes it's a uh, work in the glory uh yeah, uh, yeah. but even pre-ministry pre-ministry of Christ uh so it was very fun and we filmed in South Africa uh for several months um we essentially there was a there's a great big set down there that's similar to the church's goshen set um but it was built for a an old cbs tv series called of kings and prophets and it's this multi multi-million dollar set that was built for this long-running series and then the series was canceled after the first season and so <laughs> we tr- wow. we tracked it down and uh, uh re- reached out to a company down there a production company and um, kind of the agreement was if we went and reinforced the set so that it could, you know, stay standing, um, then we could basically have have our run of it for several months. And um, boy, it was just a, you know, dream come true as far as the production goes. One of the things that was neat about the production is, uh, you know, we reached out to this group in South Africa and said, hey, we want to tell you the story. It's set in the time of Christ. And, uh, and are, is it okay if we come down and just check out the set to see if it'll it'll uh, work for our needs? And they said, yeah, yeah. Tell us about you know who are you? Where, uh, where are you calling from? I said, we're calling from Utah. And they said, oh, okay. Are you uh, are you Mormons? He said, well, yeah, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Saints. And he said, well, oh, okay, come down anyway, and uh, <laughs> and and we'll see if it works out. And so they were very they were you know, they were very welcoming, but also um, had their guard up a little bit as yeah. and, you know, we all kind of sense that. And, um, you know, it worked out. The set set felt like it had been built for our show. It was exactly what we needed and served us well. And so we decided to shoot down there and we knew we were going to be down there for a few months. And so we said, look, you know, we've got to figure out how to, how to get, this production company, we're hiring their casting or their crew, and they're gonna be working with us every day. We got to get them to to warm up to us a little bit. And so, um, one of the things we did, uh, my producing partner Darren Smith, who's uh, he, he's in Prolo and uh, just a fantastic guy, um, 
Darren Smith says, hey, let's do a, a five-minute thought, just get kind of a spiritual thought at the beginning of each day. It won't be won't be required uh, attendance. We'll do it before call time, um, but anybody who wants to show up for this can. And, you know, Darren and I are, are there, there were probably five uh, members of the church on this whole production, um, you know, so, uh, but we're employing, you know, over a hundred people uh, for this series of, for this time. Anyway, the production company is okay with it. We said, hey, can we do a five minute spiritual thought? Anybody who wants to join can come five minutes early and we'll, uh, and we'll just start our day. You know, this is a movie about Jesus. So uh, we think that'll be okay if that'll be all right with you guys. I say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And uh, so first week about, you know, five people show up early and, uh, you know, hear about this. They, you know, we share we share a scripture from the Book of Mormon or share a, an inspirational thought from President Nelson. Uh, but we kept it very, very simple and and um, short. And then we just then we worked regular day. Uh, the second week, we had about 15 people come in and kind of start trickling in earlier and hearing this thought and, you know, and saying, hey, thanks. That, that was really, really neat. Uh, the third week, the production company gets on, they, they come up to us and say, hey, would you guys mind, um, you know, the spiritual thought thing is happening. That's great. Would you mind doing that over the PA system so that the people in base wow. camp can hear that as well? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, our, our shoot goes on and on and, you know, it, it becomes, pe- people are showing up. I mean, everybody is there early anticipating these thoughts and then sharing their own thoughts throughout the day. You know, oh, here's here's what you said this morning. This is how it's affected me. And uh, to the point, the, the final, you know, week, the <clears throat> production company reaches out and they said, look, um, you know, we said we, we'd like to, you know, give everybody a nice wrap gift. And uh, they said, would you include the the Book of Mormon in your wrap gift for everybody? Oh, gosh, um, <laughs> because people are wanting that spiritual thought. And so, you know, it was it was a neat, you know, not only was it a fun shoot and a fun movie to make, but it's really kind of opened my eyes to say, hey, it reminded me of the hunger and the appetite that people have for for the truth of the gospel. Spiritual things. And what yeah. we have for spiritual things. These are film people, you know, these are film crews, wow. which uh, we've all been on sets. And you know that there are a variety of people from all types of backgrounds. But I'll tell you what, when they showed up and got a taste of, um, you know, the, these, the spirit, uh, they craved that and it fed them. And I was grateful for that. So uh, we'll try to implement that in future projects for sure. That's amazing, Garrett. That, Garrett, that is so inspiring. You are doing such awesome work. I love that we're able to bring the gospel forth in ways that just never were before. And a quick plug, because I don't know if we'll ever have him as a guest. We we should. But Darren Smith is one of the coolest guys I've ever met. I've you worked know, for he, them too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, yeah. This was the first time I had worked with him. Oh, is that right? I had always admired him, you know, but uh, never worked together. And and this was one of those moments where you go, yeah, I'm going to reach out to him kind of out of the blue and say, hey, would you like to go to South Africa and produce this movie with me? Yeah. And uh, that was certainly one of the reasons he was there, I think, to just really bring in a powerful experience. That is awesome. Ken, what did you do with Darren? 
so Darren and uh, another guy, Alan Seawright, were they were filming a short that based on a like a funny thing that Eric Snyder wrote. It was a pitch oh. for the Maleficent movie. Yeah. It was like an inside insiders oh, the pitch baseball one type. Of Eric's pitch meeting. Ones. Yes, yeah. And Darren was there on the set, and he was actually really cool. And he had my son Garen had wanted to learn a little bit about film production and so he came with me to the set and darren kind of took him under his wing and showed him how stuff worked and it was it was cool but yeah that's my only experience with him but it, it and that was like nine years ago but it left an impression on me he's just a good yeah. soul yeah he yeah. wrote a book yeah. about uh about studying the book of mormon daily that he produced and put out and then had an email going where you could sign up and for 365 days in a row you would get an email Every single day, and I grew to like love that. I'd look for it and open yeah, it up in my email every thing. morning. And uh, yeah, I had him on uh, Latter Day Lives, and uh, he came over to the house and we recorded. And I just, I he's just one of those guys that makes such a strong impression on you. Like, you're like man, I want to kind of uh, want to hang out with this guy. So yeah, ah, just cool. This has been so fun. So Garrett, when what do we know? Like, I know we don't have full release and everything on the carpenter but uh, we do have the film festival coming up yeah it's uh we're going to show it at the zion in zion indie film fest uh march 17th which is an amazing festival and uh i'm on the i'm a, i'm biased because i'm on the board of directors uh but if i weren't i'd still wish i were uh it's a, it's an amazing festival so we're showing it there on the 20 on the 17th of march uh if you're in the Orem area or greater Utah area come out. Uh, and then we've been accepted to the Boston International Film Festival that's uh, in, in that April. That's so cool. Gosh, that was a surprise. Right? Yeah. That was a surprise. It, it, it's not, you know, it's, you think of a film festival type movie, and this is not the typical content that would play in a film festival. Um, but, but the movie's about, I mean, it's a fight movie, and it's like Rocky in Nazareth. So, um, it, it's sort of like Out of Liberty is a Western mm-hmm. and it's playing all over. You know, we, we had a, somebody in Texas, a their non-member friend came and like called them up and said, hey, you got to see this movie. Uh, th- this is just recently. I mean, it's out on DVD or whatever. You got to see this movie. Somebody made a Western about the founder of your church. And uh, <laughs> so the, similar to this, similar to the, the Carpenter, you know, it will play uh, to any audience. Um, and hopefully give them a little bit of insight on it as to who the savior is. Gosh, that's so cool. Do you know what's next, Garrett? Or are you just tired yes, of getting the carpenter out there? Right now I'm fundraising. So all of all of those that uh, want to lose money in film, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, click the link below. Uh, no, we're fundraising for a feature film, a true story a uh, super fun story about how the church was able to build a temple in uh, behind the Berlin Wall in Frankfurt. And it's kind of just this really compelling, uh, we're telling it kind of as a, a spy movie. Like a Bridge um, of Spies? It's Bridge of Spies meets Jojo Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I would lose money on that this, film. You lose Where money on that invest? film. Yeah. No, is I there a way that, for people to invest? Is there a way to, to for people to be a part of that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, they can just email me, and uh, 
um, yeah, we'll run them through the, the well, no, I, I mean, it is. I am in that process where I'm meeting with, um, with investors, you know, private investors that, that are mission driven, um, you know, and sometimes they do well. The Saratov approach and some of these movies have done very well for investors. Uh, but yes, this is a cool, it's a Jojo Rabbit type, uh, plays on the absurdity of the, the German, you know, the SS spying on church branches and trying to figure out what is going on in these church branches and uh, learning essentially that we are who we say we are. And that is essentially what allowed them to build a temple in, in, uh, behind, you know, in communist country. Man, that's a fun story. That sounds great. So the film, The Carpenter, we're all going to go see that. Cannot wait. Got to check that out. And uh, then we'll be excited. Uh, the The idea of Jojo Rabbit meets the church meets the Berlin Wall. Like, I can't imagine anything <laughs> more exciting. Garrett, thanks so much for all that you do for the church and for the cause and for entertainment and the fact that uh, you do actually entertain while doing all this stuff. And it's just amazing that people as talented as you... Uh, what a blessing that you choose to use your talents for uh, for all the good and and uh, our our audience will, will keep checking it out. Is there a website they can go to specifically for the carpenter? Uh, yeah, well, everything is now going just through threecoinproductions.com. and uh, you can go to that website. It's all spelled out and um, get all all the details. Awesome! Can't wait. Thanks so much for spending some time with us Garrett. this has been remarkably enjoyable ken great to see you as always back at you it's great to be yeah. with both of you fantastic you and this is so fun such a fun night tonight thank you and for our audience thank you so much for checking in with us if you enjoy the show two things you could do for us one you could leave us a five-star review they really do help when people are looking for good content and secondly you could take the direct route and just tell a friend you know we have a rich history in the church of telling friends about good things so if you know someone who would enjoy uplifting content like this podcast uh please tell them about it uh, we are available pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts you can uh you can find us and so until next time on uh, behalf of Ken Craig, my co-host, and our friend here, Garrett Batty. I'm Sean Rapier. We'll see you next time on the Sharing Time Podcast.